0: Hello, babes, and welcome to this week's episode. This week's episode is about murderers. So, a bit of a dark one this week, but you guys chose it in the poll, so here we go. We will be focusing on one murderer in particular, and this will be Catherine Knight. It's a very, very dark story, so strap in. This story takes place in Australia. As you guys know, I'm always talking in an Aussie accent, but this story is a scary one, honestly. When I read it, I have previously seen a documentary about this female and the murder of what she did, and it's fucked. Um, So let's begin, shall we? This is a story of Catherine Knight, a female killer who did some gruesome things. Catherine Mary Knight. She was born October 24th, 1955 in Aberdeen, New South Wales in Australia. She was the person responsible for the murder of her partner, John Charles Thomas Price. They were both born the same year, but different month. He was born in January. Catherine went on to be the first ever woman to be sentenced to life imprisonment without parole. So now you know a brief Thing about Catherine. We're going to talk about her life, not like we did with Tamara, where we just spoke about the murders, because I couldn't find much about her previous life. But with Catherine, I feel like there is a lot of stuff that is very relevant. So we're going to talk about Catherine's upbringing and who she was growing up. So. Let's talk about Catherine's early life, as this, I feel, is more prominent than Tamara's, who we did just speak about. But her parents were quite the talk of the town. They were actually part of an affair that her mother, Barbara, was having with her dad, Ken. That's, well, his name was like Kenny or something, or whatever his name was. But Ken, it's Barbara and Ken. Barbara was already previously married, but she did begin a relationship with Ken, who was a co-worker of her husband's. The affair became quite the scandal in the small town and Barbara had already had four children prior, and two remained with their birth father, and the other two were sent away to live with their aunt in Sydney. Catherine was born alongside her twin. Barbara's husband then died, and the two children moved back in with Barbara and Ken. So Ken and Barbara are the biological mother and father of the twins that one is Catherine and her previous four children, the two after her father had died, they came to live with Barbara and Kent. Barbara's grandmother was said to be an Indigenous Australian who had married an Irishman and they were very proud of that at the time. Um, The area that they lived in, however, was very heavy on the racism, unfortunately, and this caused a very tense upbringing for the children. Um, However, Catherine didn't really have any relatives that she did feel close to within her family, apart from her twin and her uncle Oscar Knight, who committed suicide in 1969. Catherine actually still continues to say that his ghost comes to see her. So she she only had two close relatives within her family, which were them too. Her father, Ken, was a very violent drunk who raped Catherine's mother sometimes up to 10 times a day. Catherine's mum was a real fucknut though, um, not to justify that them actions, but she went on to tell her children often about the intimate details of her sex life and how she hated to have sex, and how she hated men. On one occasion, Catherine actually approached her mother to explain that a partner of hers asked her to do sex acts that she was not comfortable to do. Her mum responded with this advice. Put up with it and stop complaining, which is insane. That's not really the motherly advice that most mothers would give. But Catherine said that she was also raped by multiple family members up till she was about 11 years old. And although there was never actual evidence of this, multiple family members claimed that this was actually true. At school, Catherine seemed to be a good student, earning awards for being good. However which I find insane. Um, However, she experienced very strong rage-filled outbursts that she could not control, and this could be over a very small upset. So, you could have dropped Catherine's pencil that you borrowed from her, and she would go on an outburst that was violent and very dangerous. She left school at 15 years old, and somehow in that time, she didn't learn to read or write. Uh, She went to work as a cutter in a clothing factory, but she eventually left this job to pursue what she called her dream career, which was cutting up internal organs and entrails of animals so pretty much like a butcher and she was in that job for quite a while and she got promoted to receive her own set of butcher's knives which she actually always kept above her bed and she quotes handy if i need them and she kept that as a continuous habit in her life until she was eventually arrested so she did that from a very young age up until many years later So we're now up to Catherine being a young adult and already I can see some signs that there is some kind of mental health concerns here. There is there's signs of childhood trauma and God knows what else has happened to her as in during her upbringing. And definitely I feel like somebody could have sought some help and tried to help her. But obviously that didn't happen. So let's continue on. Catherine is now a young adult. So she begins dating and throughout Catherine's life, she went on to have four well-known relationships. We're going to get into those because they're very prominent. Her first relationship being David Kellett. David was a bit of a drinker, but in 1973, they met and went on to marry in 74. She asked him, by the way, it wasn't the other way around. They had a wonderful wedding, not... They didn't have a wonderful wedding. Even his, I'm sure his mother-in-law or a relative of Catherine's pretty much gave him a warning before the altar or after the altar. Like, yeah, she's fucking crazy. She will kill you one day. But, you know, he still continued to go ahead with the marriage. They had a great wedding. I don't think they did have a great wedding. But especially during their wedding night, for some, the wedding night is a wonderfully romantic night to make sweet, sweet love to one another. Catherine did do that but also ended up trying to strangle David because he fell asleep after only having sex with her three times. So great start to the marriage. Their relationship went on and it was in constant turmoil because of Catherine. They went on to have a child in 1976, but David ended up leaving Catherine behind as he couldn't cope with how possessive and violent she was. He moved to Queensland and met another woman. So he was like, fuck off, Catherine. I'm with someone else now. But Catherine couldn't stop herself from behaving erratically after that this. She was seen pushing her newborn baby in a pram down the street, but throwing the pram from side to side frantically, like almost violently, and subsequently... Catherine was taken into the care of St Elmo's Hospital and diagnosed with postnatal depression. It is here that she spent many weeks recovering, but once she was allowed to leave the hospital, Catherine continued to spiral. Catherine took her two month old child to a railway and placed her on the tracks. She then went and stole an axe from God knows where, went into the town and threatened to kill people. Luckily, a passerby who was near the tracks noticed a baby on the railway line and saved her before the train had passed. Catherine again was arrested and taken back to St. Elmo's to be taken care of, but she recovered very quickly and signed herself out the next day after this incident. And I just have to say, people, this is not the end this gets worse. Like, this is already, I think, like, there's signs here already. Somebody in the care system needs to do something. (laughs) But literally days later, she went on to stab a woman in the face and then threatened her to drive her to Queensland so that she could find David. Thankfully, the lady she kidnapped escaped at a service station. Catherine then found a little boy and held him hostage with this knife that she had acquired. But police dealt with the situation. They disarmed her and she was taken to a psychiatric hospital. Catherine told the hospital that she wanted to kill the service station guy who had fixed David's car that led to him being able to flee from her and that she also wanted to kill David and his mum once she actually arrived in Queensland. So here is the weird part, right? Police told David that Catherine wanted to come and kill them both. So what did David do? David, went, oh okay, I'll return to Aberdeen, leaving his girlfriend behind, and he took his mum to Aberdeen with him and they went back to care for Catherine. I do apologize, but personally, I after experiencing all of that and fleeing, and then being told about someone wanting to try and come kill me, even if they do have a mental illness. I'm putting myself first in that situation and I'm not going back to somewhere where I know my life could be in danger, especially with my mum as well. So, you know, kudos for him going back and trying to help Catherine, but I wouldn't have done it personally. I would have I would have not done that. But Catherine was eventually released and was cared for by her mother-in-law and David. They moved to a suburb in Brisbane where she got a new job working in Meatworks, which is another like butchery meat death place they had another daughter in 1980 and then in 1984 katherine actually left david and moved in with her parents she eventually then got her own home but at some point during her work she had injured herself and that led to her receiving disability pension and she stopped working completely she was given housing by the government in aberdeen And that, folks, is the end of the first marriage. After all of that, you would have thought that the hospitals or police would have found her unfit to be safe within the public, but nope. She continues to have three more relationships and live freely. So there's some sort of failure in the system here because... I don't know. It may have been different many years ago. They probably didn't keep a close eye on people like they do now. Um, I mean, there's still failures in the system. But like this, after the second incident, I feel people would be like, right, okay, hold on here. She's threatening to kill people. We've got to take care of the situation. Let's not allow her in the public. But no, she continues on. So her next relationship is with another David. But this guy's name is David Saunders. This one didn't last too long because Catherine ultimately fucked it all up again. So. They met in 1986 and after a few months, I'm going to call him David S because there was a David before. So this is now David S. David S. moved in with her and her two daughters. He did, however, keep his old property. So he never sold his previous home that he lived in before he moved in with Catherine. Catherine became a overly jealous and was suspicious of what David was getting up to, especially because he had his own home. So she couldn't tell if, if he was ever going back there or what he was doing. She would often throw him out and and then ask him to come back. And it was just a very toxic push and pull relationship. But Catherine then went on to do something terrible to David S. She slit his dog's throat in front of him as a way to scare him into not fucking her over. Like, a look what I could do if you fuck me over and have an affair kind of thing. So she had done that to his dog. You can imagine David S is pretty scared, but that didn't put him off because in 1988 they went on to have a baby together, which made him want to put a deposit on a home so that he could have a home for him and his family, to which they did and they lived together. And in this home, Catherine went on to decorate with modern furniture and cool artwork. That's sarcasm. She decorated it with skulls, skins, leather, knives and weapons and rakes and all sorts of weird and not so wonderful things that you would find in a nice family home. One night, a fight between the two erupted and Catherine hit David S. over the head with an iron and then stabbed him in the gut with some scissors he left and moved back into his old home which was a smart move in my opinion many moons later he returned to see his daughter but he was confronted with an avo which is an apprehended violence order against him whilst he had been away Catherine had gone to the police and said that she was scared of david s and that she wanted an avo against him. So that was that. That was the end of relationship two. Now, the third relationship was very short and sweet. Uh, This was in 1990. She met John Chillingworth and they had a baby the following year. This partnership lasted about three years. She went on to leave John for a man that she was having an affair with for quite a while during their relationship. This man would be John Price. Now, people, does this sound familiar? Because it's a bit like her mum and dad, perhaps. You know how Barb and Ken got together, but Barbara was married and went on to have an affair and then have a baby and, and get married with him. But this is the final piece to Catherine's fucked up relationship saga, which unfortunately ends with John Price. Her fourth and final relationship... John had previously married and had three kids himself and the youngest lived with his previous wife but the other two still lived with him. John was well aware of Catherine's history and her temperament but no matter what, he still welcomed her into his home to live in 1995. John was a lovely bloke according to the locals and his friends. He was a hard worker at his job in the mines and supposedly enjoyed his relationship in the beginning with Catherine. In 1998 surprise surprise an argument occurred between the two and and Catherine did something very spiteful. She sent a videotape of stolen out-of-date medical kits to John's work and he was ultimately fired of his job of 17 years. He kicked her out of his home and only months later did John restart his relationship with Catherine but refused to have her come back to live with him. John lost a lot of his friends during this time that he spent with Catherine they pretty much didn't want much to do with John whilst he was in a relationship with her so he had lost a lot of friendships now I have to say this to you listeners please prepare yourself this part isn't for the easily disturbed what Catherine goes on to do is deeply disturbing and distressing so if you're squeamish turn me off right now because it gets terrible (laughs) if you still want to know what happens then continue listening In 2000, their relationship had remained toxic and one day Catherine had stabbed John in the chest. He got medical attention and continued life and he eventually went on to take himself to the courts where he got a restraining order against Catherine. So the same day he got that that restraining order out, he went to work. And whilst at work, which is a new job, I'm assuming, he confided in his co-workers and told them that if he didn't come into work the next day, that Catherine has definitely killed him. Which obviously left them a little bit concerned and they told him, please, John, don't go back home. But he went home anyway because he was concerned for his children's safety. And Once he got home, he had found that his children weren't actually there and that Catherine had sent his kids away for a sleepover with friends. So Catherine actually wasn't there at the time. I don't know how he figured this out, whether it was from a note or if Catherine had called him or texted. it. I don't know. Could you text then? But he knew that they were away at a sleepover. Catherine was not at his home at that time. So he went out, went over to some neighbours, hung out for a little while um, before heading home to go to sleep about 11pm. Later on in the night, Catherine turned up at John's house while he was asleep. She let herself in, watched some telly, had a shower and then woke John up for sex. John afterwards went back to sleep and come next morning, a neighbour noticed that John's car was still in the drive. His work was also concerned as he never showed up that morning. So they sent a fellow workman to check it out. Both the workman and the neighbour tried knocking on the windows, on the door, but eventually found nothing until they see that there was some blood on the front door. They called the police who arrived about 8am. Upon entering, police discovered his lifeless body they found Catherine also. She was asleep and she seemed to be in a very deep, deep sleep like she had taken a lot of pills. So I'm about to read what potentially or what did happen that night. So be ready. Catherine that night had stabbed John with a butcher's knife whilst he slept. Looking at the blood evidence around the house, the police pieced together that John had tried to escape, attempting to turn the light on before fleeing into the hallway and managed to open the front door. However, John was either pulled back in or slipped back into the hallway. You could see that blood was all over the dresser, was all over the light switch, everywhere in the hall and on the front door. And he had made it to the screen door, but he didn't get any further than that. He was either pulled back in or slipped back into the hallway. He then died from blood loss. After all of this, Catherine decided that she's going to the bank. She withdrew $1,000 from John's personal account. And then she come home and once she got back, she went on to skin John's body from head to toe and hung the skin from a meat hook that was on the back of the lounge door. Now I'm talking entire, the whole door frame was filled with skin. So John's entire body from head to toe was perfectly skinned and hung on the back of the lounge door. She left only a tiny piece of flesh on his corpse, and this was a scar from when she had previously stabbed him. She then decapitated him, and then went on to cook some pieces of John's body. It was found that some of the pieces were from his buttocks. She cooked with vegetables, and served up plates with pieces of John, a baked potato, and various vegetables with gravy. She set the dinner table, and put names on pieces of paper next to the dinners. These names were the names of his children placed at each plate. She prepared to feed his children pieces of his body. She made an extra plate of food that was also found outside in the garden. It was investigated that they think that she may have tried to eat his body, but wasn't able to do it, so placed it outside. Um, But that's speculated, so that's not for certain. She also put his head into a pot with vegetables and cooked that. The pot was actually still warm when the police came to investigate. At some point later, Catherine then posed his skinless body with his left arm placed over an empty 1.25 litre bottle of Shelley's Club Lemon squash bottle with his legs crossed at the feet, left ankle on top of the right. She also wrote a note on a picture of John saying this, Time got you back, Jonathan, for raping my daughter. You to Beck for Ross, for little John. Now play with little John's dick, John Price. This picture, which caused allegations, were eventually thrown out as they were found to be unsupported against John. Once the body had been sent in for an autopsy, they found that John had been stabbed a minimum of 37 times in the front and back of his body. Once the trial began, Catherine pleaded guilty to manslaughter as a plea, but this was not accepted. In 2001, she was charged with murdering John, but she pleaded not guilty. During the trial, the jury were warned about the graphic images and details of the case, and five out of 60 dropped out. When the witness list was read aloud, several more dropped out too. Catherine then changed her plea to guilty. Despite her pleading guilty, she still takes no action or responsibility for John's murder and says she can't recall what happened. During her sentencing, her lawyers tried to stop the court from saying some of the facts about John's murder, as it may be hard for her to hear. But the court denied this request and whilst the doctor spoke about the decapitation and skinning of John, Catherine actually freaked out and was sedated at the court. She was sentenced to life without parole and in 2006 she appealed the life without parole as she thought that that was too harsh to not be allowed the possibility to never have parole ever just because she killed. To this day, which of course I don't, I don't think it got thingy i think she's still in life with parole um to this day she claims they had great sex that night and she remembers nothing but him getting up for a wee and coming back to bed she thinks she must have fallen asleep after that Catherine Knight, everybody. It's a really scary and very sad story and case. I feel like this case should have been dealt with a long time ago. She had been put into hospital and psychiatric care. There were so many incidents. She held a child hostage. She threatened to kill multiple people. She had done so many bad things that could have been caught a long, long time before she killed John. And it's so upsetting that it got to that point, you know, the three previous men were very very lucky that you know they managed to get out of that relationship. It's a really sad case that John was the one who ultimately was killed at the hands of Catherine and that this wasn't taken care of a lot sooner. You know, this isn't as common today as it was then. I mean this was the nineties that she did this, so but times have definitely changed. As for her having no recollection of it, I personally think that she just blocks it out. Maybe she is so narcissistic that she in love with herself that she doesn't even want to accept that she's done something so horrific. Although she just Probably loves the fact that she's done something so terrible. I was reading more reports about, I actually read the detective's report. That was the first officer on the scene that went in to investigate and it's, it's actually horrifying. Um, as he enters, he looks around the property, he sees lots and lots of pools of blood everywhere, the skin dangling from the back of the lounge door, which he said draped from the top to the bottom of the door because it was his full head. He had been skinned whilst the head was still on because the skin of the head was on the, on the skin suit. His skinless body lay in that position, like I said. There was blood everywhere, handprints on on the chairs, on the doors, on the dressers. blood all in the hallway, pools everywhere. And throughout all of that, she just went to sleep. She made no effort to cover it up. She made no effort to flee the scene. She, I think, ultimately was insane. Um she is in prison. I don't think she's in any psychiatric prisons or anything like that. She was assessed mentally, but I don't I think it might have been inconclusive. I couldn't have find anything like that. So that's the story of Catherine Knight and John Price. She remains in prison today and she will be in prison for life. Actually let's check to see if she's still alive. Sorry, can I just say I went to Google catherine Knight 2021 and there is a thing that says Catherine Knight's net worth and apparently she's worth two million dollars. What the fuck? Why is a murderer worth loads of money? I can't believe she has a net worth. She's currently 64 years old. She's a Capricorn. Oh my God. Oh no, I just see that someone died called Catherine Knight, but that's not her. Well, all I can find is that in 2016, it was announced that a film which would be documenting the life of Knight, who is now in her 60s, had been picked up by Hollywood production studio so that um that could be potentially a movie that's coming out i can't find anything else about that um it certainly would be a very interesting and thrilling documentary or, or docu series or or some sort of movie which uh, you do find a lot of these crimes are made into entertainment which is quite sad you know this man lost his life and all the people around him that loved him have lost him too so it's it's sad, but for some reason, we're all so intrigued and into hearing about this morbid stuff, which is strange. But guys, that's all I'm going to be talking about today. So there you go. You now have met Tamara and you have now met Catherine. Again, evil comes in many shapes and sizes. And I, I don't think you can ever really look at someone and think, yeah, they're a safe person to be around. I mean, Catherine... A little more so than Tamara, because Catherine was just had a lot of issues of very openly aggressive, violent behavior, and that was a lot different to Tamara, who was a bit more secretive about what she was doing, but still very, very scary. You know, women are capable of doing this fucked up shit too. It's certainly not as often, but this is why I wanted to pick female murderers. You know, women who kill—they are definitely out there. There's a whole documentary about women who kill. I'm pretty sure, either on YouTube or Netflix somewhere. I've, I'm sure I've seen it. Yeah, it's not as common, but when it happens, it's just as grisly and just as gruesome as when men do it so women are just as scary (laughs) Ah, everyone's scary I'm never leaving my house again so there we go guys Um, I hope you enjoyed if you did enjoy listening to this I would love to do more it was really really fun researching these and putting it into my own way I had a great time doing all the research and stuff and I was sitting in most of the time with my mouth open but if you did enjoy it please let me know that would be real great so that I know that you guys want to hear more murderers whether it be female male whoever we will find a way children who kill That'd be a good one. But, guys, I will be loving you and leaving you, my dears. Have a lovely, lovely life. And please, if you see anybody who might be showing signs of being a possible serial killer, please seek immediate help. Don't wait around because otherwise, Catherine could happen again. See you later, guys. Don't eat cake, eat celery. I mean, what's the chances? But try and be healthy. Peace out. Doot, doot, beep, boop, chappa, boop, boop.